Man, it is, it is, um, it's really good to be here with you guys. I just flew in last night. I was out of town. I was in Grand Rapids for eight days and it was like 10 degrees yesterday when I woke up. And so, uh, to, to, to be back in, in sunny California is great, but it was, it was an awesome time, uh, being out there. And it's just cool to be with like the people of God in different places, especially when they, when they, when they fly in. I was at an intensive seminary. And so there's people who just flew in from, um, just different, oh, I forgot, flew in from different spots, <laughs> uh, different spots all over the, all over the world and just different parts of the country. And so you just get to see, man, like what God is doing and was really loved and cared for by the church in Grand Rapids. And so, and so, uh, man, that, man, that, that, that's, that's what's so dope about the family of God. You could go like anywhere in the world, uh, most places in the world. And there's like God's people who are there, who, who your family, cause you're God's people. And so, um, man, if you don't know Jesus, that's something that you're missing out on. And we want to tell you about And so <clears throat> with that, um, today we're going to be, uh, in Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. Uh, I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to pray, but can I ask you to stand for the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Be seated. <clears throat> Lord, God, as a person who struggles with anxiety, um, Lord, I thank you that you offer this invitation to us to not be anxious. I thank you, Jesus, that you speak that over us. And I pray, God, that even right now, um, even in the midst of coming out of a crazy anxious week for me, uh, Lord, I pray that this truth would stand against all the things that would say it's impossible and not true. And King Jesus, I pray that you would be king in this moment at our church. 
in each one of us over all of the things that we could be anxious about, Lord, and all of the ways that those keep us from you. So, Lord, ultimately, I pray, God, that you would show us who you are today. I pray that you would meet with us and you would help us to give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we have been going through a series over the last two months titled, Not Your Own. Next week is the last week in this series before we jump into the letter to the Ephesians. And so if you want to prepare, uh, if you want to start reading through the book of Ephesians, getting acquainted with that, that's where we're going in in two weeks from now. We're going to jump into the book of Ephesians. Uh, Maybe that's an opportunity to invite somebody to join us to, to, to study the book of Ephesians, to go through a book in the Bible and just see what God says through his word. And so we're going to do that in two weeks. But we're, we're going to end to, uh, we were going to end with today's message. Today's message was actually going to be the end of the series. So what I'm going to be preaching on today was going to be the end of the series. But we had some scheduling conflicts with somebody who's going to uh, come next week, a good, a good friend of ours who's going to come uh, next week. And so we switched the order of things around. So this was a TV show. All right, if we were watching like a TV series or a TV show, in theory, This would be the last week, right? So this is like the last episode. And next week is like a bonus episode, right? It's the bonus episode that you didn't expect, right? And so that's uh, 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 the reason I'm telling you that we switch things around. And the the reason that I'm kind of giving you that, that preface is because knowing this can really give us some expectations for today. It can help us to, to pay attention. Okay. And it can help us to see kind of, okay, what, how does this, how does it, how does the plot end, right? Like what's the, what's the, there's no plot twist next week, just letting you know, right? But how does it, end, how does it end? So what we're doing today that we haven't done in the, in the last few weeks is ra- rather than teasing out an angle of our main point, like the previous messages, we have two goals for today. Okay. The first goal of our, of, of today's teaching is to summarize all that we've learned. It's to give you a summary of all that we've learned to to, to reinforce our primary messaging. So we don't just want to summarize it. We want to reinforce the the primary messaging, what we've been telling you week by week over and over again in order to stir us to live according to what we've come to understand. So we don't want to just summarize it and gain understanding. Our desire is to stir us to live according to what we've come to understand. If you've ever taken like a scenic route, has anybody driven like the 101 or driven some scenic route, right? If you've ever taken a scenic route, there are these vista points along the way that really give you the opportunity to pull over and experience the journey. There's times when you're like just driving down the 101 and it's like pull over, right? Like pull off or down all these different places, right? These different scenic routes. There's these points where you could pull off the road, you could stop, and you could just kind of gaze out into the horizon and see what's in front of you. And the goal of that is to to kind of just take in and experience all that's in front of you. you. If you drive through a scenic route through the dark, or if you fail to to stop and embrace where you are, you miss out the beauty that's in front of you. 
They're, they're, you, if you just roll through and you just, or you just drive like 100 miles an hour down the scenic route, don't stop at these Vista Views or drive through the night. Like it's, it's kind of like a waste of time. You might as well just drive down the five freeway to San Francisco. You've never done that. And, and not take the 99 where there's more lights, right? Like, and so it, and there's just, it's just dark and there's just nothing there, right? It's pointless. It's kind of pointless. So the goal of, of, of today's message is, is that we would kind of like stop and we would just pause and kind of take in all that we've learned. And it's also like a course review at the end of a semester, preparing you for the final exam. You ever done that? Like it, it, one of the things that, that, that I've done in, in seminary, one of the things we do is like before we have these great exams, right? They'll like get all everybody together and we can kind of talk about it. We get to talk about like, hey, what's coming up? What, what's, what's at the end of the course? Like what, what's, what's on the final exam? And it gives us the, the, the opportunity to kind of like overview all that we've gone through so we don't miss something, right? Only this isn't a test for you to pass. Like it's not, we're not just going through this so that you can pass a test. Instead, well, actually, I think the, the apostle Paul says, well, you know, maybe it's for you to pass the test in some way, right? But our hope is that it, it, it's not just like you're passing the test in school where you can move on, right? It's, our hope is that, that as you pause, as you reflect, as you apply these different things to our lives, that it would change the course of your life. Not, and, and, and maybe in minor ways, maybe you're already on the trajectory that you're supposed to be, but perhaps, shoot, like this might change the course of your life in major ways. If you stop and you pause and you reflect. And so if you're new today, hopefully this summary will we'll really transport you into the environment in which we've been learning, right? Not just give you the ideas, but really transport you into the environment in which we've been learning. If, and if you've been around, maybe there's something that you've missed or forgotten. Maybe like, maybe you came in here and, and that happens to me sometimes. Like I'm distracted. I, like I was this week, I was, I was in seminary and I was taken in, uh, in an intensive and I was like distracted by something. And I remember like there was like two hours where I just wasn't paying attention. Like I was like Googling stuff. I shouldn't have been Googling and just completely out. And I wasn't paying attention. And sometimes maybe you come in, sometimes you come in and you're just distracted and you've missed something. So, so maybe today's one of those moments where, where you can identify something that you've missed, right? Or maybe there's something that the Lord spoke to you and you forgot. Hopefully that maybe today it'll, it'll reinforce uh, something that you have learned and cement it into your life and thinking. Or perhaps there's something that, man, that you heard during this, this series, or there's something that happened on one of these Sundays, and, as you, as you, and you've just been thinking about it. Like, you haven't been able to shake it. It's been like, it's been in the back of your mind. It's been kind of like something you've been wrestling with in your soul, and you've been asking, like, like does it mean what I think it's supposed to mean? Perhaps today God will give some confirmation and bring to your heart in mind something that you have been wrestling with. And, and, and maybe today is the day that you'll decide to, to give it all to him. You should, you, maybe that's something you should even be asking right now. Lord, would you just bring to mind what I need to just give all to you? Like, what's yours? What is something you taught me already? What, what did you speak to me in this series? What did you say? Or what are you saying today? And rather than just, just, just kind of like file it away in some category that maybe you can deal with later, maybe you need to jot it down. Maybe you need to choose to make a decision today that to change the course of your life. Perhaps, perhaps that's what today will be. 
So the first goal is to, to, to summarize and, and bring to remembrance all the, the different things that we've learned so that we can act accordingly. Well, the second goal is to make sure that you're not ill-prepared for the journey. We, we want to make sure that you're not ill-prepared for the journey. You know, you know, Michigan, going to Michigan was so much easier the second time around. Like I lived in Michigan for like six months and we had no idea what to expect. But this time like I was able to go, I had these waterproof vans that I got to bring, right? I got, you know, I was like, man, I know I'm bringing these. I knew that I could pack certain sweaters and like certain jackets. And I, and I knew that I knew what was going to happen. I knew that when I got there, it wasn't going to be too crazy. And so I had some other friends from California and you know, you're some different people and you can see like, they ain't never been here. Right. <laughs> and so, but it was just different. I was able to, I, it wasn't that bad. Being like when you're prepared, it's just a little bit easier in the same way. We want you to be aware of the traps of the enemy that seek to derail you. And we want to help you to understand that they will always, I just, let me just set that expectation right now. Number one, there's going to be, the enemy's going to set trappings for you, whether personally, individually, or culturally. There's trappings that are set to, to that are, that are set up in place to trap us and, and literally to keep us from doing the things that God's calling us to do. And there's also setbacks that are, that, that, that will wear on your soul along the way. There are things that are going to happen that are going to set you back and they're going to kind of like throw you off kilter, right? They're, they're going to like get you into the, and we, you got to be, if you're not aware of the trappings of the enemy and the setbacks, it, it's, it's really easy to just be derailed, right? And we also want to make you aware of the tension points that will most likely and most definitely arise as you choose to live out what you have learned. So that's the two goals. So the two goals are, number one, to summarize, to bring us back, right, to help us not forget. And the second one, to prepare us so that we have what we need for the journey. So let's take a look at what the aim of our series has been. First, it's important to note that we've been doing this series because we want to, to see and experience real power, real hope, and real joy and real peace. Like, we, 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 that's what we want. We want real hope, real power, real joy, and real peace. We don't want a Jesus that we just talk about. We want a Jesus that we know. We want to experience the Jesus who showed up on the scene and changed lives, and people were different forever, right? We want that in our church, like in the lives of our people, like in each and every one of you. Like, man, we want you to experience real power. I want that for me. Like, I don't know about you, but I... I if you're here because you, I don't know why you would be here if you didn't want to truly experience the real Jesus. Like, I want that for me. And there's times that that doesn't feel like it's the case, but I want that. Like, do you want that? We want to experience the real Jesus. We want, we want the people that we engage, who encounter, the people who encounter us to see, to like, be like, I remember the dude who led me to Christ when I was incarcerated. He was, he got juvenile life. We got Committed, he busted for like a murder. And I, all I could tell you, I'm telling you, I don't remember anything about what he told me. I don't remember anything. All I remember is he just had the glow. Like I said, I've just always experienced it. Like, I, like what I remember is like that dude glows of Jesus. Right? Like, like we want the people who engage us to be like, they got the glow. Like there's something about them that's like radiating off of them. What is it? Right? 
And we want the city that's around us. We want the people riding by on these scooters and the people walking by and the, and the people on campus and the professors and the, and, the, and the people going there and the people who work in the different establishments around here and the, and the people who live across the 405 and, and the people who, li- who, who live here but, but don't have nowhere to live, right? Like we want all of these people to experience the real Jesus, and to experience his power. That's our goal. We don't want to just change your mind. We want your life to be impacted. That's the goal. That's what we've been trying to accomplish here. Hopefully, that's what we're always trying to accomplish, right? And what we've identified, though, is that the, the Jesus life, right? The life with Jesus, the way, following Jesus, right? Like, like going with him where he's at, the, the Jesus life, right? And all that it entails is a seeming paradox, when it's placed up next to the visions of life presented in our culture. And, and we, we, we mustn't see it as so. We, we've come to realize that like, like the light, like the, the, the visions of life that our culture presents and the visions of hope, like matched up to the Jesus life, it seems to be a paradox, but it's not. You see, our culture tells us that to get, our culture tells us that we need to get what's ours. That we need to go after everything that's ours. Like we need to look at the world and we, and we need to see the world as, as, as opportunists. We need to go after what we want. We need to go after the things that we desire. We, our culture tells us that, that we need to take care of ourselves first. That, that, that before we take care of anybody else, we need to take care of ourselves. That, 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 and, and that definition, and if, if, if you've gone down that path, you see that that de- definition becomes ever expensive, right? Our culture tells us just keep taking, like before you, before you worry about doing this, like, hey, you need to just get every, like you need to get your priorities straight and your priorities straight means that you need to actually just, just figure you out and then you could give to everyone else, right? Or then you could actually seek Jesus. Then you could give it all to Jesus. Like once you're done with college, once, you got, once you've reached this state of, of, uh, of wherever level you are in your career, but like once you reach a certain age, maybe you got to live life first and then and then you can kind of give it all away. Right. <clears throat> and then our culture also tells us to avoid anyone who pushes against us. Right. And that actually becomes our definition of a hater. Right. We've defined haters. Right. We're like we're like like just stay away from haters. Right. And, if, and, and who and we've defined haters as anyone who pushes against us. Anyone who's like, maybe you shouldn't do that. No, but that's what I already set my life in that trajectory. Yeah, but maybe there's something else. You're just a hater, right? And it's real easy, like, right? We could just, if you're a hater, I could just kind of like push you to the side, right? And so our culture tells us <clears throat> to, to, to really, to do all that we need to gain what we think is best for us. And anyone who stands in the way of that is a hater and we should just push them off. <clears throat> and to some degree, this kind of this kind of sounds like how you get what you want, right? To some degree, it sounds like, man, if I just you just go after it, right? And you, like you just like there's a value, like, like where I come from, and like like I, I maybe where you come from, like there's a value of hustle, right? Like like you gotta hustle, you gotta put in work, like you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Like if you hustle through, you'll get what you want. And it kind of sound it kind of sounds like that's the proper perspective. Like we should kind of go down that route. Right. And we value that. We value like, like, hey, check me out. Look at all I've accomplished. Look what I can do and look where I'm going. And you and you and you and you ain't got nothing to say about it. And yet 
If we, if we dig a little deeper, if we get to know people a little bit better, if we talk to people who are just a little bit farther down the, the, the path, the, 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 trail of, the, bro, the trail of broken glass, right, that, that just follows people, the, the compounding relational fractures, and, and, the, and the empty pot that you find at the end of the rainbow doesn't have all the gold that you think it would have, right? Like, like they, they tell us, just, just, just follow the rainbow, right? We're just going to go until the end of it. And there's a pot of gold. And if we go and you get there and, it's, and it comes up short, there's nothing in it. The leprechaun lied to you, right? <laughs> and even if there are like a few coins in the pot, someone's always trying to take them from you. The cost of living continues to rise. And life just moves way too quickly to savor anything. The paradox is, though, is that, is, that, is that like true life is not found in that way. The paradox is that true life is found in God. And he is the source of meaning. He is the source of worth. And he is the source of substance. Like, like in God, all things make sense. And, and the paradox is that is, is, is the difference is not after you go after all that you want and desire. The paradox is as you give yourself away in pursuit of the kingdom, as you give yourself away in pursuit of God, in pursuit of his kingdom, you actually find yourself. As you give yourself away, you find meaning. As you give yourself away, you experience purpose that lasts longer than you can ever imagine. And while it may seem counterintuitive to prioritize the things of the kingdom when you consider your own life and happiness, true life is only found in God. And this has been the through line in our series. The through line in our series is that true life is found in no one but the God of the universe. That true life is found in no one but King Jesus. That life is not found as you hustle to the top, as you grasp for what you think you need, but as you give yourself away in pursuit of the things of the kingdom and experience the living God. We've essentially answered the question, what is our only hope in life and death in as many ways as we can? What we've done over this series is we've taken that question and in as many ways as we can answered it. The answer is that we are not our own. Oh. Oh, man, I get points. <laughs> yeah, right? <clears throat> the answer is that we are not our own, but belong to God. <laughs> Both body and soul. Both body and soul. In life and death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our only hope, that we belong to God. Have you ever noticed <clears throat> that the same ads pop up on your phone a million different times in a million different places. <clears throat> like, it doesn't matter. You're like, how did like, how did like Expedia, Facebook, and like United all know that I wanted the same thing, right? Like, like, have you noticed that? Like, no matter what you do, the same ads continue to pop up in a million, di a million different times in a million different ways, drawing you in presenting a product in many different forms from various angles. You see, what the advertising agencies know 
is what the church for thousands of years has known. That action requires formation. And these agencies form you in a thousand different ways. In some way, the question about hope, life, and death is from an old catechism used by the church as a teaching tool to advertise to your soul. The question is meant to advertise in a thousand and million different ways to your soul. Where is your only hope in life and death? I ask that not rhetorically. As you're sitting here right now, what is your only hope in life and death? Can you put your finger on it? Where do you look for hope? Even right now, as we're like, Lord, I pray that you help us see it. Where do you look for hope? Is there something that just quickly just came to your mind? Oh, <laughs> where do you? <laughs> yeah, where, where, do, where do you look for hope? How do you define happiness? Fullness of life. How do you define purpose? Are you tired of that old way of being that keeps coming up short? Well, then the answer is then turn to Jesus in both body and soul, in life and death. That is the answer to the age-old question. Are you being pulled in other directions? Well, the aim of this series has been to tell you, don't do it. Stay with Jesus. Our aim has been to draw you out and lead you to Jesus. So here's the ground that we covered. In the first week, we discussed how the world is set up to war against humanity. We discussed how, how, how one, of the pri one of the primary ways that this occurs is in our culture, we separate life and worship. And particularly in the church, we do this as well. From the beginning of time, we've been tempted to find meaning in the world instead of seeing all of life as a gift from God and a means of communion with him. Meaning is not found in, we don't look at the world and find our meaning in the world. All of life is a gift from God and a means of communion with him. If we remember, even professing Christians do this by dividing our spiritual life from our physical life. Forgetting that life from the beginning has been a means of communing and receiving from God. You cannot divide your life, your physical life, from your spiritual life. All the way from the beginning, life, all of life, whether eating or drinking or, 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 or hanging out with people or, or marriage and all that that entails, all of it has been a means of communion with the living God. This means all of life is an opportunity to experience the good of God, and that's the point. To separate your physical life from your life with God is to war against the very fabric of your created intent. It's to war against yourself and it's foolish. And when you see life as an invitation to worship, all of life becomes a table of communion. It's what we covered in the first week. In the second week, we learned that meaning is received by God, received from God, not created by us. 
our work, our talents, or whatever we think provides meaning, doesn't. It doesn't, it may, or maybe, maybe it doesn't ultimately, right? Perhaps it can provide some source of meaning, and perhaps God may even use these different things to give us meaning and purpose and intimacy with him. But these things aren't the primary source of our meaning, and they aren't the places we should look for them, right? Meaning is received from God, not be created by us. In the third week, we talked about authority and wisdom. Our culture tells us that wisdom is ours to decide and that we are our own authorities. That, we, we, that we're the only authority in our life. That we get to pick and choose all that needs to be. And we get to police the universe and our own souls. And yet, God regularly calls us to submit to imperfect people for our own good. That's just how the world works. And so we talked about authority. In the fourth week, we discussed justice as it relates to the kingdom of God and shalom, right? And we defined it according to the biblical witness as opposed to the definitions that the world provides us. Namely, that justice is not our problem or that justice can be accomplished without a participation in shalom, right? It's tempting in our world to, to think that, that, that basically like whatever's going on is somebody else's problem. But we learn that because we are not our own, we, are, we, we have no choice as Christians but to participate in shalom, the world around us. In the fifth week, we exposed the false presumption that consumption provides fulfillment, be it sex, beauty, food, or whatever we assume we can utilize to be fulfilled. When we view consumption as the source of satisfaction, people and things are used at the mercy of our appetite, alienating us from the intimacy that's offered when we love instead. And last week, Pastor Devin talked about courage and how it's needed to offer truth and love to a world who believes that individual expression is the highest good. And while there are a million different ways that we could teach our point, we chose these topics because we saw them as particularly important for our church in our culture in our time. And although they hit different angles, and, and maybe right now you need to assess where they hit you, right? Where are the, where, what did those things bring up? I, I hope that the main thread of our argument has come through. And this is the main thread. There is no part of your life that God and his kingdom should not invade. There is no part of your life that God and his kingdom should not invade. There must be no off-limit signs on any doorway in the residence of your life and soul. I don't know what's going on in your life and what, like, if you just view your soul, right, as, as, a, as, as, as a, the, the, the ancient mystic St. Teresa of Avila said, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a castle, right, there's no rooms that, that, that God can't access. There's no, there's no places in your soul that are off-limits to the king of kings. 
The main emphasis of our point is you are not your own, but belong to God. And all of life and all of joy and all of hope is found in him. So you don't get to create ghettos that you live in in your life. The king must pervade and invade everything about you. Is that true of you? What's the spirit saying to you even right now? With that being said, what are the trappings and setbacks that derail us? It's here where the Sermon on the Mount speaks. The content of Jesus' teaching is, is, is very similar to ours. In his teaching, he detangles and unravels the assumptions of his day, building a vision for life in the kingdom of God. Jesus is, 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 is talking to a people in a particular culture who are experiencing the trappings of their day. And he's, he's like, it's all tangled up, right? It's like a knot that's all tangled up. He's, he's untangling the knot in order to help them see that life is found in the kingdom. In the beginning of his sermon, he defines value and offers hope to the hopeless. He also warns against living a fractured life, calling believers to be the salt and light of the earth. He see, he doesn't allow them just to kind of to, to, to have these, this divided life where their life with God was separate from their life in the world. He calls them to be the salt and light of the earth. In, her, in his culture, there were, there were ways to obey the law and avoid it at the same time. Have you seen that, right? Have you seen that? Like where, 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 there, where it's like, there's kind of a way to obey the law and avoid it at the same time. That, that was some of the trappings of his culture. He also talks about forgiveness, integrity, giving, prayer, marriage, fasting, and possessions. His teaching is comprehensive. But for our purposes, we're going to turn back to the passage we read identify the trappings and setbacks that derail us, and then close with some wisdom for Jesus, from Jesus. So let's read the passage once again and see what derails us. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In my estimation, there are four things that Jesus notes here that derail us. There are four things that, that derail us. First, there are the cares of the world and the worry of provision. You go to verse 24 uh, or, uh, or, or verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, <clears throat> do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Right. There's the cares of the world and provision. How are we going to make it? How are we going to provide? What's going to happen if we make this decision? Is God going to actually provide for us? Oh my gosh, it's a little bit scary. What if faithfulness causes you or calls you out onto the water to follow Jesus in such a way where you don't know where things are going to come from? And it's the it's provision. It's the cares of this world. It's the worry of, of, of finances and money to say, say, I don't know, God, if I can do this. When you choose to follow Jesus, he'll call you out. He'll call you out into a place that may be uncomfortable. At times he calls you. What if he calls you to, to what if following Jesus uh, and, and bringing forth the kingdom calls you to a, the type of radical generosity that puts your finances in a place that are very uncomfortable? He says, I got you. Or perhaps following Jesus causes you to stand up to your boss and risk losing your job. He says, I got you. Or following Jesus causes you to make some decisions with an integrity that actually puts you in a spot that, that feels a little uncomfortable. He says, I got you. Or following Jesus says, hey, hey, come on. I, I want you to make these decisions where you're never going to know for the rest of you. You're never going to be able to have a savings. Like, welcome to church planning. <laughs> like, you know. Right? Our culture tells us, like, all right, here, I, you know what? Well, you can start giving when you have three months' rent saved up. You can be faithful. You can be faithful when you have all this money stacked. You, you know what? Before you actually start living and serving the king of kings, you have to be able to, like, buy a house and do all these. What if God calls you to a situation that that's just never the case? You know, one of the things our family has, to, has prayed about, like, what if we always have to rent in Los Angeles to be faithful to the king? Like, what if I never know? And I'm telling you, like, this is not, like, when I read this passage, when he says, do not be anxious, I don't, I don't read Jesus being like, bro, don't be anxious. I read Jesus saying, don't be anxious. Like, you don't have, and, and I'm telling you, like, what I hear, what I hear is like, dude, can I really trust you? And he keeps saying, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Perhaps the trappings that you are falling into are the trappings of provision. And if this is a trapping that you're regularly, like the enemy knows that trapping too. He knows those blind spots in us. He knows. He knows. And you, you know, you know what happened to me? Remember I told you guys that someone jacked my surfboard? 
Like, man, somebody in the church here heard that and bought me a surfboard. Like, that's the stuff that the Lord does. And like, like, man, through his people, like, don't worry, I got you. You never know. Like, I got you. Like, you, like, oh, this will never happen. I can never do this. Like, the Lord, like, the Lord will get you. You see, the kingdom of God doesn't work like the kingdoms of this world where we need to, where we need to, to put everything before God in such a way or, or we need to protect, safeguard our life in such a way where we're always safe. He says, come out into the water. Next, the next trapping that we see is the fear of death, the future, and the fear of missing out. We look at verse 27. He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? I feel like I keep saying, I, I feel like I can, you know? Like this is my, this is this one right here after all the stuff that's happened in my life, this one is my struggle, right? This is the trapping that the enemy uses and the, this is the trapping. And, the, and, it's, and Jesus offers us, you can't, you can't. And I'm like, but can't, but if I figure out if I, like, if I post this post on Reddit and I get the answer that I need, then I can kind of like, you know what I mean? Right? And then, and, and then like, there's just, I'm not omniscient. I don't know. How do I, like, I, I started thinking, like, how does the enemy work? Like, the enemy is real and knows too. Like, can he, like, mess with the algorithm to have, like, death all the time? Like you can't, like it doesn't change. And no matter what happens, you still can't change it. Is that going to keep you from faith or the fear of the future? Like what's going to happen? If I follow Jesus, I'm going to miss out, right? This is like fear of the future type stuff. He's like, how many of you by, by being anxious can change? Like you can't. But you need to know that that's the trapping that keeps you from faithfulness. Fear of the future. Fear of like what happens if I be faithful? And, and it might, and think, you know what? It might, you, it doesn't, it never, it doesn't often mean that. I remember one of my, one of my homeboys from the gang that I was from died and I had to go preach at a, I do his funeral. And I remember sitting with my kids and I, like real talking, sitting, having this conversation saying, dad, I don't know if I'm going to come home today. Like funerals are notorious for getting shot up. And I remember going to that thinking like, like this is like what? And we sat and had that conversation, right? Like, am I going to like, it's, what is faithfulness? And through that, man, through that, so much, it, nothing happened, right? But so many opportunities. To say, like, but the enemy could just, 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 just rip you with that stuff. Or maybe, maybe some of your childhood wounds will start bringing some of that stuff up inside of you. And birth anxiety. So there's the fear of not being provided for. Then there's the fear of, of death or the fear of missing out. You know, some of the remedy to that is that, that God's going to make all things new. And he's going to resurrect us. Like, like that it's going it, like to happen. I mean, it's hard to believe, like, believe in here sometimes. You know, like, it's hard to, like, make sense of that stuff. Because, and that's just, that's real. And it's okay. That's a struggle, right? But it doesn't change the reality of it being true. The third thing in my estimation is the concern that life in the kingdom is going to be dull. Consider verses 28 through 29. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if he clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, would not much more clothe you and your little faith? You know why I think, you know, I think uh, earlier he says he, he deals with the provision. So I, I just wonder if this one is, is about like, fearing that life is going to be dull. Because he, he, what he hits on in that passage is not like the anxiety of not being provided for in that. He's like, look at how elaborate he clothes them. Like, like, look how beautifully adorned that they are. Like, when you look at the way that he, if he, if God, like, like, look at the grass, look at the lilies of the field, look how beautiful and adorned they are. He's like, you don't think he's got you? You see, I think sometimes we think that if we follow God, life is just going to be dull. That life is just going to, like, suck. Right? That, okay, God just wants us to, like, wear raggedy clothes and, and beat up Nikes or, or you know, when I was growing up, Payless shoes. You know, I don't know, Payless, they still suck up. You remember that, right? You know? <clears throat> like, do I, do I always got to get the knockoff Levi's? Like, you know, it's like, like life is just going to be dull. You know, you got to drink like Folgers and U-Band, you know, for the rest of my life. Like, this is tragic, you know? Like, this is like, for real, like, we think life is going to be dull. And it's just not the case. Like, like man, I've, like I've seen God. And then, man, if you follow Jesus, I'm sure I don't have to tell you my testimony. you got testimonies of, of following God and just seeing the world just open up. Like, God do so much things and opportunities. And, man, I get, literally, you, got, like I, you know, I know I started surfing a few years ago, right? We've had this conversation. Literally, I got asked to, like, like some people who, like, met, like met Jesus at Refuge, like, church that plan. Like getting married in South Africa, she's and they're like they're they they asked me to officiate the wedding, and it's at like Jeffrey's Bay, one of the dopest surf spots on the planet. Like I get to go there, like for the kingdom. Like I never would have even thought. Like the places you just like life is not dull when you follow Jesus. But one of the trappings is if you follow Jesus, that that, that life is going to be dull, that it's not going to be good, that it's always going to suck all the time, and that's just not. The case. And then finally, in his conclusion, in verse 32, I think he alludes to the fear of being missed, overlooked, or unseen. He says in, in, in uh, uh, verse 32, he says, um, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. I think what he's doing in this passage is, is, is he's saying, he's saying, I think he's using the Gentiles in like a derogatory. He's saying the people who don't know God, they see God. Like, don't you know that God, he knows you need all that. Like, I think, he, I think what he's saying is he sees you. He sees you. You know, maybe you think, maybe you're suffering alone. You don't have to. Maybe you're struggling. You think, man, you're, maybe you're like, I need to hurry up and I need to, gra- I need to get mine because nobody's going to take care of me. And he's like, I see you. Like, you don't need to get yours. Like, God's got you. Like, th- like, like the sacrifices that you are making, none of it's going to be lost. None of it. Like, there is nothing that you can do that will, that you can, like, you're not missing out. You're not missing out. Like, he sees you. You're seen. You're known. By the king of kings. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. 
And yet Jesus says that all of the, like when, while all of these things are true, right? While all of these things are, are pre presented before us and all of these things, like, man, these are real desires that come from within us. These are real things that actually, like, I think they're like not necessarily evil. They're things that point to some, some intrinsic needs that, have, that God has, has, has given us and created us for, right? And he, he doesn't say, you don't have to, he, he says, it's not that you need to, that, that those things aren't uh, uh, gonna be dealt with. He's saying that none of these things need to dominate our lives because Jesus has your back. Instead, he says, we should be overcome by the kingdom of God, actively seeking the righteousness of God in love. And we can rest because God sees us. And we know that God sees us because it's Jesus who is saying these things as he's looking these people in the eyes, physically present, proving his love. Imagine that. All of this teaching here is not it's not, it's not one of his disciples. This is Jesus actually in the flesh. It, Jesus, it's God incarnate, physically present, saying, God knows what you need. Like, and they're like, well, how do you know? He's like, because I'm right here with you. Like, I know what you need. I got you. You, you don't have to worry. And so since you don't have to worry, since you don't have to worry, what do we do? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. Prioritize. Prioritize the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those things that you're, like, like your provisions, your, your, like, your security, your peace, right? Like, like, like joy and abundance, right? And being known by, like, God will provide all of those things what you need to spend your time seeking. So if you want to know, here's the thing. What's the will of my life, right? Right? Like if you're sitting here right now and you're wondering, what is God, what's, the, what's God's will for my life? Anybody have that question? Right? I got an answer for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 100%. That is God's will for your life. There, the, now, the, 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 like the the the. the, the specificities or the particularities of what that actually going to look like, you might, you know, sometimes you got to get on a bike and start rolling. You'll figure it out along the way. But what, what's clear as day is that none of these other things need to dominate your life. What needs to dominate your life is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as you prioritize that, he's got you. Brothers and sisters, God loves you and knows what you need so you can give it all to him. As we close, um, uh, we're going to move into a time of, of, of response, right? And, and that time of response is, is a time where we get to actually commit to respond to God. And, and, and one, of the, one of the ways that we move into it, one of the ways that we respond is we actively protest against the world by receiving God's gift of grace and salvation. And we receive that regularly, right? We receive that in all of its implications through communion. Communion is God's promise to us. 
It, it's the, why is it, it, you think of this, like, like Jesus knows, right? He knows that it, it's not just your mind that needs to change, that you need to do some physical stuff too. And so he made remembrance a physical thing, right? And so he, and, and it's not us going and necessarily proving ourselves to God. It's us going and, and, and taking from him and receiving his gift to us. He's saying, I give you life. I give you substance. I give you sweetness. I give you all. And I give it to you through my broken body that I, that I, that I allowed to just be ripped up on the cross through my death and in my just destroying it all and, 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 and my bloodshed. And now I offer my life as food for your soul. My whole life is, is yours. I give it all to you. So guess what? You don't got to worry about all these other things. If you're wondering if God's going to let you down, right? Your feelings might need to catch up, but perhaps that's why communion's there to help, right? If you're worried about God letting you down, he's saying, look it, I gave you all of that. You think I'm going to leave you? So part of communion is going and saying, God, I receive this. And choosing to say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to live and give it all to you. Maybe you need to do something else today, though. As the prayer team comes up here, maybe what you need to do is go up and you just need to ask for prayer. You need to ask, like, like, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. I need you. And you need to confess where you haven't, um, where you haven't given it all to Jesus. Maybe the, maybe the Lord's putting something on your heart. Maybe, maybe he's giving you a, a word for the people of God. You could come up to, to, uh, to Pastor Devin or, or you come talk to me. Then we'll, we, can, we can figure it out and just in, in sense if that's from the Lord, right? But no matter what, What God is telling you clearly today is that you need to seek him first and give it all to him. Will you do that today? Let's pray. Lord, we need you. We ask for your help. I thank you, God, for sustaining us. And I thank you, God, for just giving us peace. We need you, Lord. Help us today. As we sing, I pray, God, that we'd sing songs to you. I pray that as the, as the songs are sung over us, we'd receive what they are. Lord, I pray, God, that you uh, give us the courage to do all that we need.